The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to Episode 38 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. It's still October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This week, we're going to be continuing our conversation, shining a light on the challenges we face after a cancer diagnosis and into survivorship. I'm joined again this week by my panel of four breast cancer survivors talking about what survivorship really looks like. If you missed episode 36 or 37, we talked about diagnosis and the challenges of communication and relationships, surgery choices, and physical treatment outcomes that can impact our bodies and how they do or don't function. So please check them out if you haven't listened in. This week, we're talking about memory challenges, brain fog, sometimes called chemo brain, and the toll that these conditions can take, as well as sharing tips for how to embrace what is and manage it successfully. Truth. You do not need to have received chemo to have these brain challenges. Sometimes the instant medical menopause brought on by hormone therapy is enough to cause these types of issues. One of the biggest challenges for me in this regard was how sneaky it was. While I had some mild challenges during chemo, that was sort of expected. I was tired and chemo takes a toll. I expected to have some type of quote-unquote chemo brain. What I did not expect, and as a result did not recognize for months, was the true impact of hormone therapies on my brain. I finished chemo on December 2nd of 2016, and in August of 2018, a year and a half later, my website hosting was going to expire, and I needed to move my site to an alternative hosting location. Uncharacteristically for me, I started early. My site needed a refresh, and that was really overdue. So in March of 2018, a year and a few months after chemo had ended, I started looking for a new website template that I liked. I chose one and downloaded it, ready to start my refresh. I had mapped out what I wanted, and all my content was ready to go. All I had to do was lay it out. Now, I had created all my websites over the years. The technology improvements just keep making it easier and easier to do it on your own, even for the most non-techie person. Now, I was in software development for decades. Figuring out software without a manual is one of my superpowers. At least it was before cancer treatment. Over the course of the next four months, I would lose hundreds of hours down the rabbit hole that was attempting to build my new website. I say attempting because at the end of July, I still did not have one successful page built. And I had no idea why it was so darn difficult. In the past, I needed to actually code pages, and that had seemed straightforward. This was supposed to be as easy as dragging and dropping things into a template, and it just wasn't working, and I couldn't figure out why. The beginning of July, I sent inquiries for quotes out to four website designers, all of whom had been recommended by various associates. And this is where I think life tends to give us what we need in the moment that we need it. And also where we don't always see the gifts in things not going the way we think we want them to. I wanted someone to take this nightmare off my plate. Not one of my inquiries for someone to build my new site 
received a response. Not one. And these were people who had been referred to me by people who I knew. In June, I had figured out on my own that I was allergic to the hormone therapy that I was on. And as a result, it was making me extremely ill. Which was weird because we associate all the illness of cancer to be with the active treatment phase. And for me, the worst came while taking a maintenance medication that was supposed to be protecting me from a recurrence and not really be that big of a deal in most of my medical professionals' opinions. Except it was a huge deal. And every time I voiced the physical cognitive brain issues or the mounting anxiety and depression that was happening, the more I was sort of dismissed, which honestly can make us feel more unsure and mistrusting of our own brains and bodies. When I put together the allergy... I informed my oncologist's office that until they had an option that did not contain gluten that I could tolerate, I would not be continuing with the drug. Six weeks after stopping the medication with no responses to my inquiries for someone to take over my website, I sat down one Sunday at my computer. Within three hours, I had the fully functioning landing page that's on my fitnessdesignsolutions.com website today. Three hours. My brain fog was starting to lift, and I was starting to be able to do some of the things that I had always been able to do easily in the past. The worst part of that experience was that until that afternoon, I had no idea how impacted my brain was, and that is tremendously scary to me. How can we find the tools to be successful if we're not fully aware of what's happening? Fast forward to August 10th of 2019, one of my panel members, Tanja Thompson, whom I did not know at the time, was hosting a local pitch event to select five TEDx speakers for her TEDx women's event the following December. This was a three-minute pitch, fully memorized, no notes, in front of a packed room. The morning of the event, my friend was helping me rehearse after our monthly networking group. I was terrified. I felt like the words were going to just fall out of my head. Sometimes I can't remember the word for that thing. You know, the one that you keep food cold in in the kitchen? You know the thing I mean. Oh, yeah, a refrigerator. Right. How was I going to remember all the words for my three-minute pitch if I couldn't remember words for normal, everyday items? Well, I did it, and I was selected to do a full TEDx a few months later. At the time, I had no idea what I had really signed up for. If I thought three minutes challenged me, how was I going to memorize a 17-minute talk? I was not great at memorization before cancer treatment. Now it just seemed to border on the impossible. I had more than one panic attack leading up to delivering that talk. I lived that talk for three months, and I'm pretty sure the night I delivered it, My cousin, my husband, and my friend could have also given it in my place nearly word for word because they had heard it so often. It's entitled Unspoken Truths of a Cancer Journey. I would love to hear your thoughts if you check it out on the TED site or on YouTube. In today's panel discussion, we're talking about the various memory and cognitive brain challenges that we've experienced and sharing some of our tips for navigating them. I'm again being joined this week by Charlotte Schaff, Gemma Blassard, Robin McTague, and Tanja Thompson. Let me introduce them. 
Charlotte lives in Arizona. She was diagnosed in 2018 at the age of 47 with stage 2A breast cancer. It was multifocal, multicentric disease. She had five masses taken out of her right breast, and the tumors came in many forms, invasive ductal, tubular, and lobular. Estrogen and progesterone positive, HER2 negative, with lymph nodes negative. You can hear our full interview in episode 17. Gemma from the UK was diagnosed with stage 3B HER2 positive breast cancer in 2013 at just 29 years old. In May of 2017, she had a recurrence, making her a two-time breast cancer survivor. The recurrence gave her a unique perspective on private insurance versus the NHS in the UK. You can check out our chat about her journey in episode 8. Robin McTagg is from Richmond, British Columbia, Canada. She was diagnosed with DCIS ductal carcinoma in situ shortly after her 44th birthday in 2000. It's so interesting how, as advocates, we often think we know all the components of our diagnosis, and then we revisit those initial documents for something like this, and we discover new information that we weren't aware of. That was the case for Robin. As she was sending me her diagnosis specifics, she noticed that the DCIS was labeled as invasive mycopapillary carcinoma. It's a type of breast cancer that's quite rare. Only 6% of breast cancer cases are micropapillary. You can listen to our original chat in episode 14. Tanja Thompson is a retired senior master sergeant in the Air Force and the founder of TEDx Catoctin Circle Women. In 2004, while still active duty, she was diagnosed with a fast-moving cancer throughout both breasts. At the time, she was reasonably quiet about her diagnosis. At the five-year mark, a time that usually signals a reduction in our recurrence risk, she found a suspicious lump, and after many tests with benign or inconclusive results, she insisted the lump be removed. That was an important demand on her part. The pathology determined that the lump represented three different varieties of breast cancer— completely different from the initial type she had in 2004. From that time forward, she's become an advocate for screenings and teaching patients the importance of advocating for yourself. You can listen in on our conversation about her experience in episode 22. This week, we're continuing our conversation about the challenges of survivorship. After a quick break, we'll jump into this week's chat with the girls. Hi, Jen here. I hope you're enjoying the show. When I finished treatment, I discovered survivorship was way more challenging than I ever expected it to be. There are a lot of things no one prepares you for. I attended one support group meeting and knew that was not for me. The more people I talked with, the more I realized I was not alone. This podcast is a forum for people to share their cancer stories from start to present. And my Facebook group is a gathering space for people to find positive inspiration on the not-so-positive days. In a community of people who understand the challenges of this journey. So come on over and join the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. And be part of the conversation. When you see the question, how did you hear about us? Be sure to mention this podcast episode. I look forward to seeing you there. We are back, and I'm here with Tanja and Robin and Charlotte and Gemma. We are talking about the challenges that come with breast cancer survivorship. 
And the one we're talking about now is cognitive dysfunction, memory challenges, how it impacts our work. Sometimes there's, we find that we have memory gaps from our treatment time. For me, that was not remembering an entire season of Game of Thrones for any Game of Thrones, you know, people. I was watching the that particular season in the run-up to the finale, and I was like, I, I don't remember this. And then I Googled to see when it came out, and it came out like during my treatment. Like, hmm, well, guess I better go back and watch this. But it this was really sneaky for me. And it shows up in a number of ways. So I would love for you all to share, like, did you notice cognitive challenges following treatment? And did anyone prepare you for them? Yeah, no one talked to me about that. It was very similar to the lymphedema because you don't have chemo. Just because you've had surgery and radiation, why would you think you would have any trauma brain? (laughs) Right. You know, and even with my background psychology, of course, when you're in it, you don't see it. And the huge shock for me was not remembering how to do my job. I worked corporately at the time and had been off six months and I was starting back to work on a part-time basis, like starting at two hours a day and working up. And I just came in and I was in shock. It's like, I don't remember how to do my job. And thankfully, I worked in a unionized environment. We had a return to work coordinator. Um, Everyone was very supportive. So I started to do some project work just to get my brain functioning again. And then over time, and I spent another six months starting back in that part time and just relearning and getting back into my regular job. So I felt very fortunate that I could keep my salary and all of that to to be able to go through it and my ability to focus for long periods of time and multitask. I still cannot do multitasking as much as I did before and I need much more quiet. And so living alone, it's like, yeah, I like the radio in the morning and different times of the day. And then other times I just need the quiet and my brain has learned to have that rest and not read and watch TV at the same time, for example, like I used to. And so I think that was the biggest surprise for me and thinking that this is like, I think this is an amazing topic because I don't think it's talked about as much. And during treatment, it was worse, but over time, some comes back, but there's still that tendency to want to have that ability to focus on one thing at a time. I can relate to that as well. I never really dealt with the fact that I, was, that I had cancer. Um, it became a job for me. It became a task that needed to be done and completed. And as soon as it was done, uh, the next task was to get straight back on the horse and go back to work and act like, try and act like a normal person again. But I never did because I couldn't shake this anxiety away that I just had because the cancer had been so bad and I'd been so young. I just actually had a pessimistic outlook on life generally. So I was just expecting the worst to happen. I was like, oh, it's going to come back. Of course it's going to come back. And then, of course, it came. It did. It came true. But the mental relief that I got when I had the mastectomy 
um, when I woke up, suddenly I felt a lot calmer. Um, I didn't feel like I was looking over my shoulder. And I think that that combined with the sporadic memory loss, you know, just, just forgetting things that you've agreed with people, that used to take a toll on my relationships, both at home and in, in work. And now if people ask, I just say, oh, apologies. Sometimes I do forget things. Um, it's a side effect of my chemotherapy. And they usually leave it at that. But, yes, there are occasional periods of memory loss for sure. Um, uh, one of the things that I deal with a lot is the fact that I work in PR and social media. And I do work from home. I have some clients who love to talk to me on the phone about things. And I've always been someone who enjoys texting versus talking for long periods of time. I'm kind of a get to the point kind of person. And so people jokingly think that I just want people to text me or email me because I don't want to talk to them. But it has gotten worse since I've had breast cancer and I had a hysterectomy um, five months after my breast cancer surgery. I basically said, I want all the girl parts out of me that could cause me cancer. So you know, I joke around and say I have menopause brain, I have breast cancer brain, that kind of stuff. Mm, but same here. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, um, I mean, I do screw up things once in a while. I just got an email this morning that I said my address was 7916 and it's actually 7619. And I uh, like these small little things just happen all the time. I'll, I'll sit there and say, I'm talking about that place that thing that you have that's cold and you put water in it on the boat a cooler like that kind of stuff happens all the time and for me I assume it's one because I'm almost 50 I've gone through breast cancer and I'm going through menopause but then I also get worried too my dad has dementia and am I on the road to having dementia also how do you know the difference between the things that I'm doing now that are not part of my breast cancer issues. Maybe, maybe it's onset of Alzheimer's. I mean, it's kind of concerning at times. I'm not quite sure what exactly I'm supposed to do next to make sure that I'm on top of my brain, my memory. Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges with this not being a common topic that we address. I was having trouble knitting and I love to knit and I like lace and complicated patterns and I couldn't follow a simple pattern. Mm. I was knitting one night and I had stitch markers 12 stitches apart and I got to the end of one section, 12 whole stitches and something was wrong and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And I was like, there must be a problem with the pattern. <laughs> well, the last five sections were fine on those 12 stitches. Like what? So I would have to set it aside. And in 2018, there was an article in the New England Journal of Medicine talking about the common was a survey of cancer survivorship and the common long lasting and late occurring effects of cancer treatment. And it was across the spectrum. And there were five psychosocial items 
depression, anxiety, PTSD, fear of recurrence, um, issues returning to work. And there were out of 17 other effects, I think 11 of them were common in cognitive dysfunction and chronic pain, which we talked about in a previous segment, were both common. Yet, I feel like when we bring these issues up, they're somewhat dismissed because we spend so much time focusing on getting people to survivorship that we forget that they have to be fully functioning humans on the other side. And so we spend so much time trying to figure out why the heck we can't knit the thing or keep our focus or remember what the thing in the kitchen with the knobs that makes heat is. <laughs> Cause I do the exact same thing that you were referring to. I'll be like, it's the thing in the garage with the, with the thing. And my husband's like, right. Yeah. The thing with the thing in the thing. Great. That's very descriptive. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really challenging. Tanja. Yeah, I think the um, one of the things for me, having going through chemo, radiation, hysterectomy, there's a there's a mindset. I think that there should be a a linear connection from the time that you've had these things happen in a close proximity to when the you will start seeing the effects. Um, for me, that was not the case. It was several years when I started thinking and forgetting. And like you, Charlotte, and the thing is you can describe it, but you can't articulate it to what it is. And it was several years. And I often would say, it's, and just chuck it off, it's just chemo brain, chemo brain. And it almost seems like it goes in waves. I can remember for about two years, and I can't even tell you what was going on during those two years, where I could not remember writing an email. Even now, I will write an email, and there's words in there that I didn't think of that's in there. But then what I do, I have to use the verbal command to go through <laughs> just to make sure that it's saying in it that it makes sense. And me being, a, I'm a professional student, as my husband always say, because I'm always in school, is a real challenge when you're writing these papers and you're trying to make them make sense, but they're not making sense. And you're spending where it would normally take you a couple of hours. Now it's taking you several hours because you're reading through and it's still not making sense. And I think for me, that's the biggest, that's my biggest gripe about all of this is that, and, and, and it could be age. And like you, Charlotte, um, my, my mother is going through dementia right now. So you just wonder where on that spectrum, is it chemo brain or is it, or is it something else, especially if it is a you know, hereditary as well. Um, but I think the important thing is, is especially for your family, is to be open and honest and let them know what you're dealing with mentally 
and how challenging um, this is. Because if they if they've been with you thus far, they will still continue to be there and and help you through it. And I I know my husband; he helps me through it. Kids, not so much. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's my biggest is, and, and like I said, I just chunk it off as uh, as chemo brain. <laughs> yes, I do the same. My husband will say, "I know it's chemo brain." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, I own that forever." So just get used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you actually touched on our next topic here, Tanja. What advice would you give someone struggling with these type of issues? And I think you just provided some great, great advice there. Oh yeah. And, and just to to just further that is, is being honest and it's not only honest with other individuals, being honest with yourself. And once you are honest with yourself or what your limitations are and, and, and owning what those limitations are, because I know what my limitations are and I've started to really, really own them and I don't, I'm not afraid to verbalize them. And once you, once you do that, now you're back in control because one of the things with, with chemo, it takes control. You, you no longer feel that you have the power, but once you own it and once you verbalize it, then that's how you gain your power and other individuals um, see it as well. So that's my contribution to that. Yes. Creating boundaries. So important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's, Mm -hmm. especially as women, right. And it's even more so when, when you have those challenges and one of the things I found challenging is people want you to be okay. So when you come back into work or whatever, you look good. So you're back to how you were. And it's like, how do you explain? Like when, (laughs) when I work corporately, it was like over a thousand people in the building and I knew a lot of people, but it's like, you can't put up a bulletin board or something to say, give me some space, you know, allow me to adjust. And I'm not how you think I am. I'm different. And so that's a challenging thing to be. And my own expectations of being able to just get back to doing that and to have everything, you know, perfectionism and all those different things. So the more that we can, like for me, I learned out of this to meditate and now I teach it in different ways to take care of ourselves and that it's really about us and and not anyone else and having those conversations and boundaries. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I feel as though um, for me, I used to um, when people would ask me how I'm doing, they'd always say, oh, you look great. You must be doing well, that kind of thing. And for a while there, I just nod and say whatever. But I feel like it's almost my duty now to make people aware that I'm not okay. <laughs> I mean, I might look okay. I am healthy, you know, but mentally and physically under my clothes, I am definitely different. And that changes you to the core. So when people ask me how I'm doing, I I'll tell them once in a while, I don't ever want it to come across as I'm trying to have someone feel sorry for me or blame it on cancer. But you have to understand the reality of what happens after cancer is that you are changed to the core. 
And unless you've been through it, you don't understand the elements that are going to be with you for the rest of your life. So, you know, I, I try to explain to people, you know, they say how I ask how I'm doing. I tell them, you know, I'm mentally, I'm okay. You know, this is how I feel. Um, I try to jokingly tell them, this is why I do ask you to email me or reiterate something that I may have asked you already. I may have asked you it five minutes ago and I can't remember, but I need you to understand this is just who I am now after cancer. Absolutely. And I think that expectation setting is so important because I also have challenges with my memory and I'll say to people, if you don't hear from me, please remind me (laughs) because I might forget. Mm -hmm. And if it falls off my radar, it's gone. And that's definitely, that brings me to another, another item in this topic of how have you developed tools to kind of manage these challenges? I'm constantly like adding to my to-do list because if I write it down, it has a better chance of translating into my brain. Um, I've been personally uh, taking advantage of things with my smartphone. Whenever I have to remember something or remind me or set an alarm, I say, Siri, remind me at 1030 to go to the post office. Um, I I do that kind of stuff a lot. Um, I also am somebody in general because I work in PR. I used to be a TV producer. I'm very much about letting people know what's happening. So everybody is not caught off guard. So I like to constantly reiterate to people what's happening. Okay, so today we're going to do this, 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 and this. And I'll let them know a couple times, partially for me also. Um, But other than that, I um, was also recently diagnosed with um, adult ADHD. I think that's what you call it. (laughs) I... And I was completely surprised by it. And that explains some situations within my mindset and everything like that. But I think it's just making sure that you're still talking to people, you're doing some sort of therapy, um, mindset, uh, that kind of stuff. I used to, I've always tried to be as positive as possible. But now I feel as though I need to be positive. But I also need to be truthful. And sometimes you can't be positive with the truth because the truth sucks sometimes. Yeah. So it's interesting because Robin also talked about the challenges with focus. And I am very curious to to see if in the next five, 10 years, we start to find that people, because Charlotte, you and I were in similar timing in our treatment, I'll be very curious to see if ADHD mm-hmm. is something that starts that gets added to that list of common mm-hmm. challenges. Because I feel like I sort of had some of that oh, before, yeah. I but I did. could manage it. Me too. And now it's unmanageable. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety is higher. The stress is higher. You know, yeah. I need medicine to keep me awake in the day and medicine to 
keep me sleeping through the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think what you were talking about, Charlotte, too, is that authenticity, right? And I think that's really important. So yeah, some days may suck or whatever. And it's like, this is just how it is. I don't see it as positive or negative. It's just the truth for you. And that's why I'd like to see the conversation be around. Let's be truthful, right? And I think that's really one of the gifts of the current time is people are being more honest and not putting up with things and stuff. So places where we can support each other and ourselves to be that and be okay with it and not berate ourselves. And to me, it's like, now my mantra is creating a world of kindness one person at a time, because that's the only place that we're going to be able to do that from. Yes. And that item of truth is really where this podcast came from, Unspoken Cancer Truths, like being able to share our truths of the reality. I think so we have so much on social media that looks a certain way. And it's so important because day is made up of half you know, 24 hours is made up of half day and half night. You can't have the light without the dark. And life is the same way. Some days we have challenges and it's hard. Other days it feels lighter and things feel like there's more ease. And we do have both. And that's normal. And that's happening for everyone. And we're all normal. And I think that's challenging when we open up social media and it seems so one side. <laughs> and there's a way, I think, to show both sides from a place of positive, being positive and having authenticity, but also being able to say, eh, not every day is fantastic. So I think those are all really good points. So any other tools, challenges, things that come up in terms of this topic? I think that uh, for me, it's like I noticed that it. I still have sometimes around reading, like not spending as much time around reading as I used to and being able to let go of that, still enjoying it and not... Like when I was on vacation, I actually did read a book in a day. And that used to be really normal for me. I haven't done it in a really long time. (laughs) And so just knowing there's the ebb and flow, right, where we can take some time and having that flexibility, building more in that flexibility and, and seeing, well, maybe what do I want to do right now or looking at options and you know there's lots of fun things to do for our brain and I think there's so much more out there where we you know even simple games and stuff to help us to to build focus so not to judge any of it have that beginner's mind do something see if you like it if not do something else Yeah, curiosity, I think is so important, especially when as we're navigating these challenges. Because sometimes there's just things that 
not going to work for us anymore. I mean, even I teach people how to move for a living and I was shocked by how challenging it was for me to get moving again. And before my diagnosis, I was a regular runner and I exercised and I walked and I had a really strong cardio practice and coming back was really challenging. And it really, as I had worked with survivors for a decade and I was like, wow, okay, I get it in a different way. And so I needed that little bit of support and accountability to have someone go, no, you can go do it. Go, go do it. Go do the thing. Like you can do the thing. It's going to look different. And it's going to take time, but go, go get out and do the thing. Yeah, I was just thinking about our dragon boat here because it was actually started out at our university here, University of British Columbia, to show that women, women after breast cancer and that the DEMA could actually continue to do very active sports. And for me, I could not see doing it. And I've never been able to get back to doing weights and certain things, but I've learned to enjoy, like yesterday, I did uh, Feldenkrais in the seat through something that I'd never attempted before. So it was really fun to do something else and energy and I do what I can in the class and I don't expect myself to be perfect at it. So it's just kind of fun to switch things up and see what else you can do. Yeah, it's that experimenting and being curious and letting go of the expectations, I think are so important. I discovered when I was a kid, I loved water sports and kayaking and canoeing. And whenever I went to camp for Girl Scouts, it was always some water week of water activities. And we, at the last minute, a fellow survivor had put together a Saturday morning kayaking event. And I texted my husband and said, Hey, do you want to go kayaking tomorrow? Because there's, there's some spots and we can go. And he said, sure. And I found out, I discovered in reconnecting with that activity that I'd always loved to do. And we live super close to the river. It's amazing for my lymphedema. Paddling was so ridiculous for my lymphedema. I went out with that friend a few weeks later and we went on like a four mile paddle and I got home and I held out my arms to the side without my sleeve on. And I said, look at my arms at night. Like they're the same. And it was amazing. And it was just a last minute hey, let's go try that. Like I haven't done that in years. We, we should go do that. And the results were completely unexpected. And it was a super fun like time out with new people that we hadn't met before. So awesome. Thank you all for, for sharing there. Thank you to the panel this week for sharing so openly. There were so many amazing truths that we talked about, including the challenges of worsening ADHD for a few of us, our new lack of ability to multitask and be successful in a world riddled with increasing distractions, the increased need for quiet 
and downtime that we never really needed before. And the various tips for managing these challenges, from expectation setting with the people in our lives to keeping a pen and paper handy to write notes for ourselves. The research on handwriting items as a tool to store that information into our memories is actually quite fascinating, but I digress. I want to leave you with three of what I think are the most important concepts from today's discussion. The first is being authentic. There's something really powerful in today's world of toxic positivity where we can be authentic. We can be positive yet truthful when things aren't great. When we view the world as not being necessarily good or bad, but just exactly what the moment is, we're truthful and remember that the next moment may be completely different. It just is. We can be positive and authentic without being a drama llama, even though drama llama is fun to say. Second, embracing curiosity and embracing our beginner's mind in navigating what's challenging us and discovering new activities that might be better. Being open to exploring where we are in this moment and being okay if we let go of something that maybe is no longer serving us in order to pursue something new that might actually turn out to be better. Third, this is a big one for me. The end of active cancer treatment is not the end of this journey that outside people looking in think that it is. Surviving is just the beginning. I believe in this so much that it's the name of my Facebook group. Next week, we'll be back for our final panel segment of October, talking about the psychological impacts of all of our treatments that no one prepared us for. We're going to be talking about the challenges of depression, anxiety, fear of recurrence, and challenges with returning to work. Some of those things we've touched on over the last three weeks, we're going to dive into them a little more deeply. I hope you'll listen in then. In the meantime, come on over to the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning, and join us as we continue the conversation. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.